If we're ready for the word, say amen. amen. All right, you guys are ready. So, we finished the series, There is a Cloud, or Follow the Cloud. The song is There is a, there is a Cloud. Um, and we sort of put a, put a bow on that, and I pray that that uh, series spoke to you as much as it did me. Um, I, I've been sort of camped out in this book called Exodus for a while because of the study for that series um, and following the cloud and the, and the Israelites being led by the cloud and by the pillar of fire. But this morning we start a new series and everyone said, all right, a few people said, uh, called Unqualified. Um, I read a book not too long ago called Unqualified, and this sort of stems from some of that reading, and then it, I re- was reminded as I was going through the book of Exodus uh, about some people that uh, throughout time and history were um, unqualified in the world's eyes. But if you've ever wondered, what it, it, and remember, when we start a new series, this is sort of the groundwork for the rest of the series, right? So you, it, you came at a good time. If this is your first time here, um, welcome this morning, first of all. Second of all, uh, you came at a great time, the beginning of a new series. So we lay the groundwork for this new series today. This is sort of what this is about, how it's going to go for the next several weeks, how many, how many ever long weeks it takes us to get through it. By the way, we're going to have the uh, Lord's Supper communion this morning. If you did not receive one of these, we'll be, you'll have a chance to receive them when it's time. You don't have to get up and get them. If you didn't get one on your way in, this is a communion cup and wafer all in one. And so we're going to uh, receive uh, the Lord's Supper later on in the service. Um, but unqualified, if you've ever wondered if you have what it takes to live the life that God's called you to, if you've ever wondered if you're qualified, if you have what it takes I want to share with you throughout this series why I believe that you do. The Unqualified series is for every person who's tired of dealing with the frustration and insecurities of feeling inadequate and ready, who's ready to discover that God still uses broken people, amen, Amen. to do big things. These people are heroes of the Bible. They're people throughout history and they're people like you and me. But he still uses these people, and they are, these people are then sometimes immortalized and sanctified and, and revered throughout history. They were God's chosen people who he chooses to use. Throughout the history of the church, what, what, were, these, what were these people's qualifications? Well, just to give you a sneak preview into today's message and going forward, uh, the, who, what were their qualifications? Well, they had, uh, one had a speech impediment. One uh, was, had denied their faith. One had an affair. One was a murderer. Who were these hearers? heroes? A liar and a schemer and a prostitute. In the eyes of the world, they would have been very, very unqualified. But God has a history of using broken people to do big things. And He still does today. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever felt unqualified? you ever felt like you don't have what it takes? Just unqualified, like any new parents, newer parents in the room. You ever, like first child, like, you ever feel like, I I don't know, where, what? What? You just feel, what? You still feel that way. Dozen or so years in, you're still feeling that way. Like, you just, like, I don't know, I'm not qualified. Or you start a new job, right? You start in this new position, and you just feel like, 
you're getting that training and you're like, wow, do I feel like over my, this is, I'm unqualified. How about joining a sports team or like joining a music program or marching band or something like that in school where you go through and you feel like you're new and you're the new kid. And you just feel like you don't, you're unqualified. Like, whoa, some of these people have been doing this for like four years and I'm just starting. And what, I don't know. I feel a bit unqualified. Starting a project in your home. You ever do that? You're like, I got YouTube, man, I can do this. You get your tools out. Get your supplies out. Go buy a new saw. How many need an excuse to buy a new tool this morning? Right? Right? Honey, I'm going to need a new saw for that. So off you go, and you come back with your bags full of stuff, and your orange bags, and you lay them out, and then you realize, wow, am I unqualified for this? How about newly married folks? Anybody that's newly married, like, we're jumping into this thing, and I'm, I'm, I just feel unqualified. I remember during the time that I was, I was the interim pastor of this church, and I had never been a senior pastor before. And then I started feeling the pull of the Holy Spirit um, that was calling me to be the pastor here. And I remember distinctly that the district superintendent reminded me and others that this isn't the way it's done. This isn't how we do things. This isn't the way it's typically done. And I remember I actually started to believe the lies of the enemy whispering in my ear saying, See, who do you think you are? There are more qualified people. There are more qualified pastors out there. You really probably don't have what it takes. As a matter of fact, you're very unqualified. And there was a distinct moment in that process that I remember thinking, unqualified. Yeah, you know what? Exactly. I am unqualified. Sometimes, do you know, church, that the enemy will preach to you? Do you know that? Sometimes the enemy will preach to you and tell you uh, you're unqualified. And you know what I said? I, I just said, you know what? You know what, devil? You know what? I'm not qualified. I'm called. I am called by God Himself. And God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's how it works. And that's exactly how I feel sometimes. Unqualified. I've been your pastor for coming up on five years and there hasn't been a day that I've reported for duty where I feel like I'm qualified. I often feel like I'm unqualified. But I feel 100% called. And I didn't just start feeling that during my pastoral time. I didn't just start feeling that when it comes to my leadership duty here or anything like that. I don't, I don't just feel that. You know, often I feel unqualified as a father. Anybody with me this morning? I don't know what to do. Like there's a new situation come up. Kids don't just stay the same. Your kids change. Situations change. And oftentimes I don't feel qualified. Sometimes I don't feel qualified as a husband. Like, what's this new wrinkle in this? What, like, I don't feel qualified. And as a Christian, as a believer, oftentimes, I don't feel qualified. And I think that at times, if we're real honest with ourselves this morning, deep down somewhere inside of ourselves, there are times, and if you agree, say amen, that we do feel quite unqualified. And the more I think about that term, unqualified, the more I think about that and, and work through that, 
And the more I know that that's just the enemy saying, you know what, you don't have what it takes, the more it feels less like a criticism and more like a compliment. Now stay with me. You see, if I'm unqualified, boy, that puts me in some pretty good company. Like that means I get to like hang out with the Bible heroes. That means that the people that God handpicked throughout the Scripture, dysfunctional, unqualified people. Remember Noah? How many would think Noah? Well, Noah is the guy, you know, like that's Noah. Noah got drunk after the flood. People like Gideon. Remember Gideon? Gideon who was, Gideon who was hiding out in a wine press threshing wheat. Didn't think he had what it takes. Felt very unqualified. People like Peter. Goodness, Peter, who couldn't shut his mouth when he needed to shut his mouth. People like Peter, who cut off Malchus's ear in the garden when he should have been representing the one who came to bring healing to the world. He was doing anything but. I'm just saying that if you've ever felt unqualified, you're in pretty good company. So what I want to do this morning is setting the groundwork for this series is issue an invitation to everyone who has ever felt unqualified. I want to issue this invitation to join the club. Join the club. Own it. We've often felt unqualified. And realize that that has never stopped God. Because I found that it really doesn't matter what someone says about me. What really matters is what God sees in me. And you can't talk about being unqualified without talking about my boy Moses. We've talked about Moses some in the last series, and you see the little icon, the little, the little graphic there that remember Moses had some moments where he felt extremely unqualified. And the more I read about him in the book of Exodus, the more I wanted to read. So I just camped out in Exodus for a little while, and Moses is my main character this morning. And he, he's the poster child for the unqualified. And I wonder if we could look at Moses this morning for a moment. Because one of the most famous scenes in Moses' life is what we call the scene with the burning bush. Now to Moses, it wasn't the scene at the burning bush. To Moses, it was just another day. Right? Just another day. It was a day at the office, tending the sheep for his father-in-law Jethro on the far side of the desert. He had no idea that he would encounter God in a special way on that day. And you know what? A lot of times we don't either. A lot of times we're just kind of going about our everyday, about our own business, just you know, doing our job, flipping through TV, going to school, sitting in a small group or sitting in a church. And sometimes at those moments, God calls us to look and to step aside and to stop. And He reveals something about our identity that we never could have known otherwise. Something that YouTube can't teach you. Something that you can't even see in yourself sometimes. But God has seen it all along. And so when God calls Moses... He tells him that I've come down to rescue my people from Egyptian slavery and I have heard their cries. And Moses, I am choosing you to be their deliverer. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to the book of Exodus. A lot of you are already there. It'll be on the screen if you have an app. However you get there, get there. Exodus chapter 3. Moses 
says to God in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, he says this, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He says those three words, Who am I? He feels very unqualified. And that's really the central question that never goes away. Isn't that the central? That's the question of identity that can keep us in so many stages of our life posturing and pretending and posing, trying to accomplish our way into an identity that God has already given to us as a gift. God already saw it in Moses. The problem was, Moses didn't see it in Moses. He says, who am I? When God speaks to Moses about these great plans, Moses has no doubt that God can do it. Moses has no doubt. It isn't God that Moses is concerned about. Moses knows that God can do it. It's Moses that doesn't think Moses can do it. There was an article or a book written by a researcher, Brene Brown. She's done very interesting work on vulnerability, shame, and and wholehearted living. And Brene Brown posits that the feeling that most of us are walking around carrying the weight and the burden that most of us are living under and the cloud that is covering our view that we can't receive our calling in life is this sense that I am never enough. We're unqualified. I'm never enough. And maybe even put a blank in between there. I am never blank enough. I am never what enough. Someone asked a group of people to fill in that blank and, and, and said, what is it that, that you feel you are never enough in? The answers ranged. Someone said, never experienced enough. Someone else said, I'm never competent enough. Someone else said, I'm never consistent enough. Someone said, I'm never strong enough. Someone said that I'm never smart enough. Someone said, I like this one. Someone said, I'm never awesome enough. (laughs) But whatever word you would have in your mind, that I am never something enough. I understand why Moses would have wondered, God, did you you dial the right number? Like, you know... (laughs) Did you, is it really me, Lord, that you're speaking to here? Because I'm surely underqualified, maybe even unqualified. And we use all kinds of terms and phrases to qualify ourselves and to explain ourselves and even understand ourselves. And I call this concept the third word. Because you might be filling in the blank, I am something. And sometimes it's even hard to know what, what to put after I am. Because Moses would look at that and say, you know, I am unqualified. I am. He had a lot of objections as to why God would choose him. Moses has a few things that are, that are defining his identity in this point in his life. You have to understand that at this point in his life, Moses is actually a murderer. Mur- Moses is a fugitive on the run. He grew up as Egyptian royalty, but now... <laughs> He's back in a place, he's actually dislocated from his destiny in a sense. He's on the run. And so when God speaks to Moses, the first thought that Moses might have is that I am dysfunctional. At the very least. uh, I wonder if you can relate to this feeling of feeling 
dysfunctional. You might have Mo- not have Moses' same dilemma. If you're a murderer on the run this morning, raise your hand. Safety and security guys, heads up. <laughs> you may not have that murder, the murderous uh, guilty uh, a feeling already on you, but Moses was a murderer and he killed an Egyptian and remember he hit him in the sand. And he tried to do the right thing, which was deliver God's people, but he did it in the wrong way. And so because of his choices in the past and his experiences in the past, he reaches this place of dysfunction. Like, I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I was called to be. I screwed it up and I feel like a real, a real, I feel like I'm real dysfunctional. Moses is certainly carrying with him the dysfunction of knowing that I had a destiny. I was raised in the palace, but I blew it. I wonder this morning, does anybody feel dysfunctional? You might not say it in this way, but all of us have this sort of, this, this third word, how we see ourselves. I am dysfunctional. It's that thing that you know about yourself. This, this third word is that thing that you know about yourself that maybe nobody else knows. It's that thing that you struggle with that you don't talk about in small groups. It's that thing that you think about over and over again, and if we asked you about it, you'd develop a code name, right, to to not talk about it. It's that thing. But you wouldn't really get the essence of what it really is. You'd develop some sort of a phrase that you, you try to hide this thing. It's the thing that makes you feel hidden. It's the thing that prevents you from connecting fully with other people. I am dysfunctional, Moses may have said. The next one that Moses may have said, when you deal with this sort of a run on the run, I'm dysfunctional, I don't feel right, I don't feel qualified. Moses may have said, you know what, I'm not only dysfunctional, I'm deficient. I am deficient. You see, God was calling Moses to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, to speak on God's behalf, to release the captive, speaking liberation. The, ho- the only problem is, Moses had to go and speak the words of liberation. The only problem is Moses wasn't a very good speaker. Have you ever felt like God called you to do something that He should have wired you to do, but He kind of forgot to put that part in you when He left you off the assembly line? Like God's calling you to do something, and you only knew you know what it is, but you don't feel qualified. You don't feel able. You don't feel maybe because of your past, you feel like I'm dysfunctional or deficient, like I can't do that. Because I'm not wired that way. God must have left that part out when I came off the assembly line. Maybe we all feel that way, but maybe it's not speaking for you, but maybe it's an area of expertise that you lack. Like you feel like you're you're trying to put you're trying to get in a situation, but God left something out. Like something that God didn't give you that ability. Moses very much felt that way. Moses said that I am slow of speech. I'm not very eloquent. I'm deficient. Moses um, was, was a stutterer, the, the Bible. It's, he's not very eloquent. So how is he going to go speak for God? That was his job. <laughs> go speak for God. Moses didn't speak well. He said, I'm deficient. I don't have that ability. I, I lack that. I'm deficient. And I am very, very, very doubtful. I wonder if you could really even use me, God. Who am I? Moses said, who am I that you would send me? Me? God, have you seen me? God, do you know me? Who am I? I I don't think I could do this. I wonder if you could really use me, God. I know some of you, some of you probably never had 
anybody break your heart, right? Not in your history, not in your, not in your early years, right? Some of you might have been the heartbreaker, but if you've ever had someone break your heart or break up with you and, and, they, and they told you what they told you was meant to make you feel good and trying to let you down easily, right? But they said this, and many of you heard it before, someone that's trying to let you down easy, they say this to you, it's not you, it's me. You've heard this, I think, some of you. You know, she was trying to say to you, man, you know, I'm not ready for a relationship. But what they were really saying was, it's not you, it's me. And I thought about that. And really what they're saying to you is, it's not you, it's me. Not wanting to be with you. (laughs) That's what they're really saying. It's not you, it's me. And that's what I hear Moses saying to God at the burning bush. That's what I see a lot of us as believers where we get stuck. It's not that I don't believe God isn't mighty. Like, I believe God can do it. I know God is mighty enough to create the mountains, the heavens, and the earth. God can do all these things. And I know God, He summons the winds and the waves at His word. I know He's incredible and holy and all of that. I know God can do all things. I just know me. It's not God that I'm worried about. It's me. I'm doubtful. God, it's not you. It's me. What's interesting about Moses and what's interesting about us in our lives is that God just bypasses all of that and uses Moses anyway. As unqualified as he was, according to his ability, and as disqualified as he was based on his history, God used him anyway. And I wonder, is God trying to speak to you this morning? That he has seen you, he has watched you, he has formed you and made you, and he has chosen to use you anyway. Because Moses went to the Pharaoh had, and he had to unleash the plagues of Egypt, and maybe y'all want to read this in your Bible, I wanted to go all the way over to Exodus chapter 20, and we get over there. Um, this is where God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments. What, what, the, what, the, what the Hebrews would have, would have known as the Ten Words or the Ten Laws. And there are several that you may be familiar, familiar with. There's, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, and all of those are good. And I wanted to get right where Exodus 20 and verse 7, where God tells Moses something that you may have heard before, but I wonder, do you know the depth of what it actually means um, as it relates to, to Moses and his covenant with him and to know him? God says this in Exodus 20 verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, a few people. And the way you always may have heard, the way I heard it, like growing up, I didn't grow up in church, but I sure heard, heard this before. It had a very specific and limited application when I heard it. It basically meant that we're not allowed to say, oh my God. We're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to use Jesus' name as a bad word. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't say, oh my God. You know, you're not, OMG, you can't even say that. Well, it means gosh. Does it? Anybody? No? Hang on. I think that's good. It's good to not use those words in that way. And that is good. And we should listen to that. But the Hebrews would have understood it in a very different way. A little language lesson here this morning before we close. For the Hebrews to take someone's name, 
for them to actually take someone's name, it meant to associate with their character. A more accurate way to translate it might be this. Don't carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't carry the name. It's not just in your speech. Like, don't just not say these words. But as your way of life, don't carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. So don't know God, basically, and live like you don't. Alright? Don't know God and live like you don't know Him. Don't have a relationship with God and then follow all the customs of the people who don't have a relationship with God. Don't carry or take the name of the Lord your God in a way that is empty or hollow in vain. I don't know if this is helping anybody this morning, but maybe an illustration would help. My wife, my beautiful wife, is at the uh, Women in Ministries retreat this weekend. Um, She went on Friday, and I pick her up today after church. So she couldn't be here. But I'd say this even if she was. She might be watching online. August the 3rd, 1996, which I refer to as the greatest day in my wife's life. (laughs) She's not here, but I'm sure she would agree. That's the day she married me. When she took my name, we became one when she took my name. Basically, everything that I had, which wasn't much, let's just say we didn't need a prenup, but everything that I had became everything that she had. And everything that she had became everything that I had. And everything that I had dreamed became what she dreamed, and vice versa. And we had all of our aspirations and goals were wrapped up in each other when she took my name. And let me tell you what happened to you on the day that you decided to become a follower of Christ. You took His name. You took His name. It's more than just a label, I'm a Christian. You took His name. It's more than a label, it's a way of life. It's a way of seeing yourself. It's a way of seeing your world. It's even a way of seeing your limitations. You took His name. So what is His name? If I took his name when I became a Christian, what is his name? And that's what Moses wanted to know. He's standing at the burning bush. He wasn't expecting this this day. And God gives him this great summons, this great call to fulfill this destiny. And he feels deficient. And he feels dysfunctional. And he feels like maybe God got the wrong guy. I got the wrong number. But he wants to know, God, what is your name? And look what God says. And, and this, I think, is maybe a sense of heavenly humor on God's part. And I think he he's, might be chuckling a little. And he says this to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. He says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say. Who am I? I am present. I am perfect. I am powerful. I am whoever I need to be in any situation. You cannot limit me, Moses. I am who I am. Watch this. He said, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that's just the beginning. And Moses is like, all right, 
I am. Gotcha. And he was like waiting for the rest. Right? God said, I am. Moses said, oh, I am. I, I hear you, right? I am. Go ahead. Go ahead. Moses is waiting, right? God said, I am. Moses is like, all right. What is this, Dr. Seuss? What, what, are, you, what are you doing here? God, I am who I am? Sam, I am? Who are you? God is so big and outside of our realms of understanding, He doesn't need a third word. In fact, God is so big that one third word couldn't contain Him. Not a paragraph, not a book, not an encyclopedia, not an internet. But you and I, see, we need a third word, right? We have to have that definition. And I wonder if the Bible, when the Bible says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, Hebrew, Yahweh, Latin, we translated it Jehovah. It means I am God. He says, this is my name. I don't need a third word. I am. Nothing can define me fully. Nothing can contain me. I am God for all generations. And I wonder if God tells Moses, make sure my people don't take my name in vain. I wonder if what he also means is, be very careful what you put in that blank when you speak about yourself because you're taking my name. You fill in that blank all the time and you say all kinds of things about yourself. And some are positive and some are negative. Some people say, I am strong. I am driven. Some people say, I am stuck. I am hung hungry. I am hurting. I am stupid. I am overwhelmed. I'm capable. I'm broken. I'm disappointed. I'm jaded. I'm contented. The Bible says that God's thoughts are so numerous about you and me that He doesn't even count them. And I'm, yet we're complicated. We have all these thoughts about who we are. But be careful when you put something in that blank that God is not because you took His name. And when God gave you the gift of the revelation of who He is and He called you to follow Him, especially as a follower of Christ, especially as people who live on this side of the cross. We're like Peter. Remember Peter? He asked Jesus, when Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? He's bringing back that ancient name and, and the conversation that was given to Moses that, that he's, God said, I am. Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And God said, I am that name for all generations. And Peter returned and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But the next thing that Peter did was he got a revelation of his own identity. Right? Remember? Jesus said, now that you've identified who I am, he said, I'm going to tell you, Peter, who you are. You are Peter. And upon this rock, Petros in Greek, I will build my church. Peter was extremely unqualified. Moses, unqualified. But thankfully for us, God gives us the gift of His identity. You say, I'm deficient. God says, yeah, I know you're deficient. But I am sufficient. He says later, Paul would say later that God's grace is sufficient 
for you. You say, I'm deficient. God says, my grace is sufficient. You say, I don't have what it takes. That's the power of your third word. God, you say, God, I'm, I'm doubtful. God says, yeah, but you know what? I'm faithful. God said, even if you deny me, I will not deny myself. And if Christ is in you, this hope is in you. I'm glad God gave me a third word that isn't dependent on what someone else says about me. Well, I took on the name of God. I took on the name of Christian. My third word isn't dependent on what, God, on what other people say about me or even what I see in myself. But His third words are the things that He has spoken over me and that He has spoken over you before you were even born. The psalmist said that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am, God said. I am. I am. That's my king. I am. When we take on the name of Christian, we take on his name. And God said, I am. So when we realize who God is, he's spoken something over you. You're qualified. You're qualified. We took some surveys uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, and um, one of the most pervasive things that we saw in these anonymous surveys was that people don't feel qualified. They don't feel um, able to do what He's called them to do in in so many ways. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter who you are sitting here this morning, you are qualified to do whatever God has called you to do. Whatever. You're qualified. If God's called you to be a couple, He's qualified you to be a couple. If He's called you to be parents, He's qualified you to be parents. If He's called you to walk through this life single and and getting things done, He's qualified you. He's qualified you to deal with the things in this life because He's called you to Himself. You now associate, you've taken his name. You're qualified because of his name. You may feel short, you may feel that you've fallen short and that you don't have what it takes. And God, it's a big mountain. If God's called you to the mountain, he's qualified you to take the mountain. If he's called you to teach a class, he's qualified you to teach the class. He will qualify those that he calls. He's done it throughout Scripture, and He's not done doing it now. You've taken His name. You're qualified. Randy, would you come? We're going to receive the Lord's Supper this morning. If you don't have one of these and you would like one, we'll get you one. Just stay where you are. Raise your hand, and we'll get you one. Just, just raise your hand up, and we'll get you one. So the communion supper, supper, how does this relate to the message we just heard? Like, what are we doing this morning? Well, because you've believed on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, this communion supper was instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is... A sacrament. One more up in the front here. 
a sacrament. If you need help opening them, just you know, look to your right or left. Somebody give you a hand. This pro- proclaims. This proclaims. Oh, the kids are coming in. Yep, teachers are coming back in. Everybody will receive one. We don't want anybody to be without. Coming back in. Find your folks. <laughs> you ought to recognize them. But this Lord's Supper, this communion supper, was instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a sacrament which proclaims His life His suffering and His sacrificial death and resurrection and the hope of His coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until His return. And this supper is a means of grace. We talked about that a little bit this morning in membership class. The supper is a means of grace. In other words, if you are a Christian, a Jesus follower, you've accepted and believed that Jesus Christ died for you and your sins, was buried, and three days later rose again, conquering death, paying the cost, the sacrifice for you and for me. If you are a Jesus follower and that defines you this morning, We invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. But when we call this a means of grace this morning, if you have yet to believe, but today is your day, today is your day, we believe that this is a means of grace, a vehicle to transport God's grace to you. That you can decide right now that today is your day to follow Jesus. So that you are what the scripture says are worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper. It's a means of grace. From the manual of the Church of the Nazarene, in order to take this sacrament, all those who are truly repentant forsaking their sins and believing in Jesus Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith That Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So Jesus Christ voluntarily paid the price of dying on the cross to purchase us back redemption from the power of sin. As a result, we no longer belong to sin, but we now belong to Jesus. We have taken His name. Remember, God said, I am. Our identity is, we are 
His. That's our third word. We are His. We are His. A few scriptures I'll share with you this morning. As we take the communion this morning. When the hour came, it says in Luke chapter 22, Jesus and His apostles reclined at the table and He said to them, and we'll all partake together, just hang in there. He said to them, red words, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the the cup, He gave thanks and He said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And He took the bread and gave thanks. And He broke it. And you all can break it. And He gave it to them, saying, This is My body given for you. Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's take and eat the bread together, remembering that Christ's body was broken for you. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood, which is poured out for you. Take and drink the cup together. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of what I've done for you. And when we do that together, we identify with Christ. God said, I am. Our identity is we are His. That's our third word. Amen. And amen. Would you stand as we close the service? I pray that this time of communion was different for you or special to you in that you've now realized it's not just a ritual or a sacrament that we do once a quarter, once every few weeks or months, or it's not just something that we do because that's what we do. This tradition is upheld because this is what Jesus said to do to identify with Him. And His suffering, and His death, and His resurrection. Oh, I can't wait till Easter Sunday. I mean, yes, in the Christian's heart, every Sunday should be Easter Sunday. But I, I mean, just to celebrate the resurrection. But as we close this morning, to identify with Christ, to become a Christ follower, a Jesus follower, And not just something we do, come to church, take communion, read the scriptures and hear a message, worship some and go home. But maybe this has taken on a whole new meaning for you. Maybe this idea of being a Christ follower has taken on a whole new definition for you in saying that, you know, I don't feel qualified, but now I know who I am. I'm His. So if you would bow your heads this morning. And if through God's Holy Spirit you're, you're, you're realizing that maybe for the first time or the first time again 
this morning, that you've never quite heard it explained through the Scriptures this way, that you can become a Jesus follower and have an identity in Christ called Christian. You take His name. Maybe that's so impacted you this morning. And I stood where you stand. I know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and dealing with me. Maybe that's you this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor? (laughs) I need you to pray for me. Because I never heard those words before and those words pierced my heart. And I know God is calling me to a relationship with Him. Or a renewed relationship with Him. So if it's your first time or whether you're saying, you know what, first time, long time. I need a relationship with this Jesus, this God who says, I am through all generations. And if that's you this morning, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to participate just a little bit in this service. Say, Pastor, I need that relationship in my life with the great I am. And I know some of you are getting ready. God wants to do great things. You may not have felt qualified. But I would hope that even through the beginning of this series that you would realize that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. But if that's you this morning and you say, yes, pastor, pray for me. I need a relationship with this great I am, this God that you're speaking of. I've never surrendered my life to him and I'm ready to do that this morning. If that's you, just slip your hand up where you are this morning and say, pastor, that is me. I need this relationship with the great I am like you've explored the scriptures and the Holy Spirit has spoken and I need to be obedient and I need to say this is my moment, this is my day. I'll pray for you. Don't be shy about this. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up where you are and say I need this God that you're talking about. I need this relationship beginning today. Just put your hand right in the air and I'll pray for you right now. I won't mention you by name, but I will pray for you. Spirit is moving. Don't resist. Amen. I see you. I see you. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Father, as we walk through this journey of life, God, it never ceases to amaze me how you move in the hearts of people. And God, we may feel very deficient, we may feel dysfunctional, we may feel completely unqualified. But God, you have called every person in this room to a journey in this life with you. You've called every person in this room, young and old, every single person you call unto yourself for salvation. And so, Father, I pray courage. I pray blessing this morning over the obedient that have raised their hand and said, yes, that's me this morning. That is me. And we lift up the people, Lord, that had the courage to say, you know what, I need this relationship with this great I am. It's my turn. I am qualified because I'm called. You are called into a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would answer that, that people said, that's me. And that God, you would begin a work in their lives that would be so evident that they responded, Lord, to this, this very day, a walk with you. I thank you, God, in advance for what's about to happen in their lives. This newfound calling and and confidence, Lord, that you are with them every step of the way. We don't have to go through this life alone. You walk with us. Help, Lord, help us to understand you more. Help us, God, to become more Christ-like every single moment of every day so that the world might see a difference in us. Being called out, separated, sanctified, set apart, Lord, for Your work. And that hearts would be softened and turned to You. Thank You for meeting us here, God. Pray You would bless Your people. And I pray, Lord, that as we depart from this place, that we not depart from Your presence. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name, being the great I am. And everyone agreed saying, Amen and Amen. Amen. God bless you.